0: You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed.
1: It's Sunday, March 24th. I'm Margaret Brennan, and this is Face the Nation. President Trump headed to his winter White House Friday morning just hours before Washington's biggest guessing game officially ended.
2: I have no idea
0: about the Mueller report. I'm going to Florida.
1: The president has long believed he'll be exonerated.
0: There was no collusion, there was no obstruction, everybody knows it. It's all a big hoax. I call it the witch hunt, it's all a big hoax.
1: Now that the report is done, speculation about what's in it grows. It's up to Attorney General William Barr to determine what to tell Congress and the public. Democrats, along with a lot of Republicans, are insisting the report be released.
3: The American people have a right and a need to know. Make that full
4: report public.
1: We'll hear from two powerful players in what could be a blistering political and legal battle. House Intelligence Committee Chairman Adam Schiff and Congressman Jim Jordan, a Trump ally who sits on two key committees investigating the president. As for Mr. Trump, he's enjoying an uncharacteristically low-profile weekend, including golfing with musician Kid Rock. And it's official, ISIS has finally been defeated in Iraq and
3: Syria. Here's um, ISIS on election day. Here's ISIS right now.
1: But are they fully eradicated? We'll talk with the retired Marine Corps General John Allen, former envoy to counter ISIS. Plus, a behind-the-scenes look at the challenges faced by reporters covering the end of ISIS from our own CBS team in Syria. All of that, plus plenty of political analysis, is just ahead on Face the Nation. Good morning and welcome to Face the Nation. Special counsel Robert Mueller's investigation has ended, but its conclusions are still a mystery. Not even the White House has been briefed yet. Later today, Attorney General William Barr is expected to release his summary of the report's conclusions and will share it with key members of Congress. That summary will be released to the public, but the detailed report remains confidential at this point. What we do know is that Mueller's 22-month investigation has led to charges against 34 mostly Russian foreign nationals. Six are former t- Trump aides or confidants, and so far five have been convicted. We begin in Los Angeles with the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, Adam Schiff. Uh, welcome to Face the Nation. Uh, Good morning. Congressman, uh, no member of the Trump campaign was indicted for conspiring with russia i want to play for you uh, what you had predicted
5: i think there's plenty of evidence of collusion or conspiracy in plain sight now that's a, a different statement than saying that there's proof beyond a reasonable doubt of a criminal conspiracy bob Mueller will have to determine that on the issue of collusion the the reality is that there is ample evidence of collusion in plain sight and it has been for a very long time
1: Mueller does not think there is a criminal conspiracy on this front. Does it hurt your case?
5: No. As I said, uh, I have great confidence in Bob Mueller's judgment as to who should be prosecuted or who should not. Uh, We're going to have to wait to see the report, and that report needs to be made public uh, ASAP, so we can evaluate uh, the body of evidence on the issue of conspiracy and and look at why Bob Mueller decided uh, not to indict. Now, vis-a-vis the president... Bob Mueller can't indict the president, so the fact there are no future indictments either on conspiracy or obstruction of justice doesn't tell us about the quantum of evidence. Uh, So I think we need to wait to see the report, but I also think the AG needs to make that report uh, publicly available. Uh, The special counsel spent two years uh, almost investigating this. Uh, The public has a right to know and a need to know uh, so that we don't have to ask questions about what the evidence was on either of these core subjects of his investigation.
1: but As we heard you say there, even before the report was turned in, you did think that the president had committed a crime, uh, and specifically that issue of conspiracy. So is there anything that the attorney general can say that would dissuade you from that?
5: Uh, I never said that I thought the president had committed the crime of conspiracy. I did say that there is ample evidence, and indeed there is, uh, of collusion of people in the Trump campaign with the Russians. Uh, And that evidence, of course, includes uh, secret meetings at Trump Tower with Russian delegations with the promise of dirt on Hillary Clinton, Mm -hmm. the provision of polling data to someone linked to Russian intelligence by Trump's own campaign chair. I could go on and on and on. But again, the issue of indictment, of prosecution, uh, that is Bob Mueller's decision, and I have great confidence in him. I think we all owe him a debt of gratitude for conducting this investigation in such a professional manner. Uh, and I'm going to reserve judgment on that uh, those prosecutorial decisions until we see the evidence. But I have great confidence uh, in how he's conducted himself.
1: Will you be attending the briefing that uh, the AG gives to those key members of Congress? Speaker Pelosi says she will boycott it. Uh,
5: look, I think the speaker is quite right. Uh, it is not going to be satisfactory for the Attorney General, the Justice Department to brief eight of us, the so-called Gang of Eight, in a classified setting, and say, okay, we've discharged our obligation. We don't have to tell the rest of the country anything. That's not going to fly. Uh, this report is going to have to be made public, and of equal importance, the underlying evidence is going to have to be shared with Congress, because that evidence uh, not only goes to the issue of criminality, but it also goes to the issue of compromise. Uh, and remember, this began as a counterintelligence investigation into whether people surrounding the president or the right. president himself were compromised by a foreign power. Uh, and there's still a lot of reason to be concerned about this president's relationship with Russia and Putin. And so that evidence needs to be provided uh, so we can make sure that we protect the country.
1: So you will boycott that briefing?
5: Uh, look, I, the briefing I think we're going to get this weekend is only going to be very top line conclusions. The one to the Gang of Eight, that though, specifically. Well, they, they have made no request to brief the Gang of Eight at this point. Okay. Uh, and there may be a point down the road where there is certain information that goes to sources or methods that are of such great sensitivity that needs to be briefed confidentiality, uh, confidentially. But that is not going to be a a reason to withhold evidence from the American people. Uh, so we're going to make sure that that is not uh, some ruse that the Justice Department attempts to use.
1: But you might uh, attend and, those if they a, are held, though Speaker Pelosi has said do not
5: I don't I don't think the Speaker is ruling out that at some point down the line there may be very specific information that needs mm-hmm. to be shared in a closed session, either with the Gang of Eight or with the Intelligence Committees in House and Senate. But uh, she is determined, and we are all determined, that this report cannot be buried, that no stratagem of briefing a select number of members will avoid the need for transparency here. Uh, But, but you know, to uh, see uh, the product of this work,
1: you know, though, that, you know, declination decisions are typically kept confidential and that there's a lot of information in here that uh, will will be protected. Essentially, it was was gained through grand jury subpoenas. It's not things that can necessarily just be blanketed out there as a press release. So uh, is this a beginning of a negotiation, essentially, in terms of what you're asking to be made public?
5: That's a very important question, and I think what the the public needs to understand is the rule against providing information as to people not indicted gives way when there is a paramount interest in transparency. And over the last two years, the Justice Department under Rod Rosenstein made the decision that the interest in transparency, and because Congress insisted, meant that the Justice Department should provide over 880,000 pages of discovery in an investigation in which no one was indicted. Uh, information about Hillary Clinton and Bruce Orr and Peter Strzok and Lisa Page and others, Andy McCabe. Uh, that all was provided, notwithstanding, there were no indictments in that investigation. That wasn't a special the counsel Justice and that Department, wasn't a
1: counterintelligence investigation, though. Those, it was a different case. Uh,
5: well, actually, actually, a great many of those documents, thousands of pages of those documents, pertained to the Mueller investigation, were part of a counterintelligence investigation. There were FISA application materials that were declassified and made public, Uh, There were interviews that went into those uh, applications and other materials that were pertaining to an ongoing investigation that had deep counterintelligence implications. So they did all of that. And they cannot maintain now that we only do that for Republican Congresses Mm -hmm. vis-a-vis Democratic candidates. We won't share information. We won't be transparent about the Trump investigation. That will never fly with Congress. uh, And it will never fly in the court if we have to go to court to insist on that evidence,
1: it, it took Bob Mueller two years to come to these conclusions, uh, and there were no indictments related yet to conspiracy with Russia. What is it that your committee can find because many will look at this and just say Democrats are purely focused on impeachment. Is that the end game?
5: Uh, that's not the end game. I think the speaker's made very clear that in the absence of very compelling evidence uh, that there isn't going to be an impeachment, But one of the reasons why it's so important that this underlying evidence be shared with Congress is that so we don't have to reinvent the wheel, uh, so that we don't have to go through all the same interviews uh, as Bob Mueller. And indeed, there is some evidence in the possession of the Justice Department that the Congress can't get any other way. Uh, They've seized uh, hard hard drives, uh, for example, reportedly from uh, search warrants executed on Roger Stone, other materials from search warrants on Paul Manafort, We can't get much of that information except through the department. So if there's an interest, and we certainly have one in Congress, in an expeditious investigation in Congress, that information will allow us to do that. Uh, I want to say this too, Mm -hmm. that our obligation is not the same as Bob Mueller's, which is to decide who to prosecute. Our obligation is to find the facts, make them clear to the American people, take corrective action, protect the country, particularly if there's evidence that the president is somehow compromised by a hostile power.
1: We will wait and see. Congressman Schiff, thank you for joining us. We turn now to Congressman Jim Jordan, ranking member on the House Oversight Committee and a member of the Judiciary Committee. And he joins us from Columbus, Ohio. Uh, Congressman, as we've said, No one really has seen this report just yet. Uh, Can you actually claim vindication? A lot of Republicans seem to be seeing that here.
6: Well, we want to read the report first, but what I do know is that to date, not one bit of evidence to show any type of coordination, collusion, conspiracy between the Trump campaign and Russia to influence the election. So that's been, that we've sort of known that for a long time. Or at least none that
1: rises to beyond a reasonable doubt and can be prosecuted.
6: Well, understand this. When this thing all started, back in May of 2017, the Justice Department had already been looking into this issue. For They, they started in 2016, late summer 2016. And all the way up until the special counsel was named uh, in May of 2017, there was no evidence of collusion at that point either because when we deposed Lisa Page, when we deposed Jim Comey, they both told us up until the point that Comey left the FBI, there was no evidence of collusion. Now, 22 months later... There still doesn't appear to be any evidence of any type of coordination between the Trump campaign and Russia to impact the election. Uh, We'll read the report and we'll see what it says. But that seems to be the the, the facts as we know. So
1: you no longer believe that the Mueller report is a hoax or a scam, as the president has called it?
6: I've not called it that. In fact, the president 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 called it that the president, the president has let the Mueller report play out. Understand this, Margaret. Everyone got what they what they go back to May of twenty seventeen. All the Democrats, all the Republicans in Washington D.C. said we need a special counsel. And they got the guy they wanted. They got Bob Mueller, the guy who everyone said is right next to Jesus, can almost walk on water. They got the guy they wanted. He now has his report and, and right. it looks and, like and you tried it looks like it's not articles going to be a prosecution of the,
1: impeachment against the deputy attorney general who who helped put him in place or you have been a skeptic of this from the beginning. That's because, so that's do because you Rob now Rosen's, accept its well, findings and believe it has integrity?
6: Well, all I'm saying is the Democrats, when they they now, it seems like they now think that this is not going to be the bombshell they thought it was going to be. So they're launching all kinds of new fishing expeditions. They bring in Michael Cohen, for goodness sake, their first announced witness of the 116th Congress. Michael Cohen, a guy who's going to prison in six months or six weeks for lying to Congress. They bring him in, and what does he do? He lies to Congress again, we think at least seven times. So the, Jerry Nadler sends 81 letters to 60-some different people. So mm-hmm. they're launching all kinds of new fishing expeditions to find more well, information because they're bound and determined to go after the president. But Congressman, you, but in Congress, spite of the you amazing- know
1: that, as we said at the beginning of the program, 34 people were indicted, three companies, aides, including the National Security Margaret. Advisor Michael Flynn, campaign chairman Paul Manafort. They have admitted Margaret. to breaking the law. So what can you admit... Central- that this was not a witch hunt.
6: What was the central charge of the Mueller investigation, of the special counsel investigation? Uh, any links to, to coordination potential-
1: between Russia and anything related. Ex-
6: it was, no, it was too Ill, any, any up, type of coordination or conspiracy or collusion between the Trump campaign and Russia to steal the election. Remember what Adam Schiff said. We have more than circumstantial evidence to point to collusion to do just what the charge was. But we have not seen any right, but, of that. But
1: Congressman, because you're deciding to put aside those indictments and guilty pleas, it, it appears you're that. picking and choosing this when you're, you're, you're picking the outcome you like and looking no, away not. from
6: the ones you didn't. No, I'm not. Those people, they did things wrong so and you, they're going to have to pay the consequence okay. for that. We understand that. But that wasn't the charge of the special counsel investigation. It was to look at that one fundamental issue. We'll read the report and see what it says. But all indications are that there is no, and and I've seen no evidence now, almost two and a half years of them investigating. I've seen no evidence of any type of coordination between the Trump campaign and Russia to impact the election. And neither of you. Well, uh, but
1: that's not the the question, and we're waiting to see this report. But, but more broadly, I mean, for Americans, should they look at this? And and while yes, there's no indictable offenses that we have seen yet from the special counsel related to the Russia probe, or, or the the allegation of conspiracy with Russia. There are all these instances uh, that ethically look questionable: the the president's son agreeing to meet with Russian intermediaries to get dirt on Hillary Clinton, uh, a number of different things along the way that came to light in the course of this investigation, not disclosing to primary voters that the president was seeking business deals in Russia. Do those things morally sit right with you?
6: Look, we'll read the report and we'll see what, what uh, the special counsel has well, to say Well, those are things we that. already
1: know, and I'm asking you ethically,
6: morally. Here's what I know about the president. In two, uh, in two and a half years as president of the United States, we have seen... Regulations cut. We have seen taxes reduced. We have seen the economy growing at an unbelievable rate. We've seen the lowest unemployment in fifty years. No, I'm telling you the truth. I was with the president last Wednesday, in, in, right here in Ohio, and I saw the response he got from citizens in our district. The people lined up on the streets cheering him because. But those they, specific they, they, examples, we now have and you, you feel ethically
1: yeah. are fine with you.
6: I'm saying that wasn't the charge of the special counsel investigation. We're, we're focused on Mr. Mueller's report. And I hope it's made public. I hope Bill Barr, he said he's going to follow the law, make as much public as he can in consultation with Rod Rosenstein and Bob Mueller. And we will read the report. But what I do know is it's been an amazing two and a half years under the president's leadership, and I think the American people appreciate that. And I know the central charge of the special counsel investigation was to look at collusion, and there has been zero evidence, zero evidence of any type of collusion between the Trump campaign and Russia to influence the election. Other things that have happened, people who've done things wrong, they're going to be held accountable for that. That's the way it's supposed to work in this great country. And that's, but but on the central issue, no evidence whatsoever.
1: Congressman, thank you very much. We'll be back in one moment. Don't go away.
6: Are
3: you having trouble sleeping? NFL players have been coached. Blue light from smart devices, it can affect your sleep. They'll even wear blue blocker glasses in the evening for improved sleep. Others will try tart cherry juice and smoothies. Not only can it help fight inflammation, but to help you sleep, it's got high amounts of natural melatonin that's beneficial for sleep. The other night, my girlfriend told me I was snoring way too much and even the earplugs weren't helping. So the next day, she took me to a sleep number store because if I was snoring, at least she could get a good night's sleep on a Sleep Number bed. Sleep Number beds allow you to adjust on each side to your ideal firmness, comfort, and support. The Sleep Number 360 smart bed senses your movement and automatically adjusts to keep you sleeping comfortably through the night. With Sleep IQ technology inside the bed, it tracks how you're sleeping so you can know every morning how well you've slept and gain insights for your best sleep. Experience the smart, effortless comfort of the Sleep Number 360 smart bed. Find your competitive edge with proven, quality sleep from $999. Sleep Number is the official sleep and wellness partner of the NFL. You'll only find Sleep Number at one of their 575 Sleep Number stores nationwide. Find the one nearest you at sleepnumber.com slash cadence. That's sleepnumber.com slash C-A-D-E-N-C-E. Sleep Number.
1: We're back now with Congressman Hakeem Jeffries. He is the fourth-ranking Democrat in the House leadership and joins us this morning from New York City. Uh, Congressman, welcome to Face the Nation. Uh, No one has seen the details of this report yet. Uh, What is it that you are actually looking to get and hear from the Attorney General today? What can we expect?
7: Well, the American people deserve to know the truth, the whole truth, And nothing but the truth, this is a serious national security investigation. 17 different intelligence agencies concluded that Russia interfered with our election, attacked our democracy in order to try and artificially place Donald Trump at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. That's a very serious thing, which is why, as House Democrats, we are saying that the Department of Justice should release the entire report as well as the underlying documentation. We don't want to see simply crib notes. We don't want to see an outline. We don't want to see an executive summary. We need to see everything so that the American people can draw conclusions on their own.
1: But redactions, declassifications, I mean, this is confidential information. You have to go to court. This is going to take some time.
7: Well, we certainly understand that to the extent there are sources and methods that need to be protected, those type of redactions are appropriate. But beyond that, Uh, We think that in the interest of full disclosure and complete transparency, the American people paid for this report. They deserve to get an understanding of the conclusions that were drawn. Four hundred and twenty members of Congress voted for public disclosure. Mm -hmm. Zero members of Congress in the House voted against it. The American people overwhelmingly have said more than 80 percent, Democrats, Republicans and independents, that the report should be disclosed. That's what we expect.
1: Should we expect the attorney general and the special counsel to face questioning in front of your committee, in front of the television cameras?
7: Well, I think that certainly is a possibility, but let's uh, take the first step in terms of the full disclosure of the report and the underlying documentation. The American people deserve to know whether Donald Trump is either A, a legitimate president, B, a Russian asset, C, the functional equivalent of an organized crime boss, or D, just a useful idiot who happens to have been victimized by the greatest collection of coincidences in the history of the republic. Congressman, it Let's sounds like what... you've
1: come to your own conclusions.
7: That's a question. I haven't drawn a conclusion. What I'm saying is that this the is a The chairman of the serious... Judiciary
1: Committee, Jerry Nadler, said it is very clear the president obstructed justice. He said that before the report even came out or was concluded— Republicans are going to look at this and just say, You are making a case for impeachment, regardless of what is presented to you by the Attorney General.
7: We have been very clear. Uh, Democrats didn't run on impeachment. We didn't win the House of Representatives back on impeachment. We are not focused on impeachment. Actually, we're focused. On executing our For the People agenda, we want to lower health care costs for everyday Americans. That's what we promised. That's what we're working on. We want to enact a real infrastructure plan. We have a trillion dollar plan. It would invest uh, and create at least 16 million good paying jobs. We want to fix our crumbling bridges, roads, and tunnels. And airports and mass transportation system and we also want to bring our democracy to life that's why we passed hr1 that is our focus margaret that will continue to be our focus moving forward
1: are you actually predicting that legislation is going to get through in the next two years and not just be eaten up by all the political arguments around this report and the investigations that are ongoing in the house
7: i certainly believe that that is possible we are going to try to do everything we can to try and find common ground. We're going to lead by example and what try actually to move gets done. Forward. Well, one, we're going to work to try to drive down the high cost of life saving prescription drugs. Uh, we believe that the Federal Government should have the power, perhaps through Medicare, to use its bulk price purchasing ability to negotiate lower drug prices on behalf of the American people, the how are you going to gar- work?
1: Sorry, go ahead. how are you going to work with the president on doing that, though? When some members of your caucus have already been calling for his impeachment, going back to two years prior.
7: Well, Nancy Pelosi has been very clear about impeachment, and I share uh, her view, and so do the overwhelming majority of the House Democratic caucus. We are not going to proceed. Unless the case is compelling, the evidence is overwhelming, and most importantly, public sentiment around impeachment is bipartisan. So we are going to keep our focus on things like life-saving prescription drugs and reducing its high price. And we believe the president has come to Congress, spoke to the nation during the State of the Union address, and said he agrees. We should try to work together to get that done. He's also indicated that he agrees with Democrats that we should try to fix our crumbling infrastructure, and we're going to try to get that accomplished as well.
1: All right, Congressman, we will watch and see what happens uh, on all those predictions. Interesting to hear some Mm -hmm. optimism uh, there. We will be right back.
3: What's your next adventure? Everyone deserves a chance to do what they love. Pacific Life helps you reach financial goals while you go after your personal ones. Plans change over time and your financial solutions can too. Pacific Life has a variety of financial solutions that can help you complement your life goals and passions while managing the uncertainties. Backed by more than 150 years of experience, you can count on Pacific Life to be there so you can go out and keep living your best life. Pacific Life is one of the most dependable and experienced insurers in the industry and has been named one of the 2019 World's Most Ethical Companies by the Ethisphere Institute the freedom to go after whatever is next for you, that's the power of Pacific. Ask a financial professional about how Pacific Life can help give you the freedom to do what you love, or visit www.pacificlife.com.
1: We turn now to our panel. Susan Davis is a congressional correspondent for NPR. Ed O'Keefe is CBS News political correspondent. Jonathan Turley is a CBS News legal analyst and a law professor at George Washington University. And Paula Reed covers the Justice Department as well as the White House for CBS. Uh, Paula, we're wait and see mode. What do we actually expect to hear today, if anything?
8: We do expect that the attorney general will release the principal conclusions that were provided to him by the special counsel. Right now, as we're sitting here, the attorney general, his deputy attorney general, a small group of principal advisors, they're holed up in the Justice Department pouring over this, deciding what can become public. A lot of this, though, is being driven by the deputy attorney general, Rod Rosenstein. He has actually been the liaison between the special counsel and the Justice Department throughout this process. So Barr is relying on him heavily. So for anyone who's hoping that the full report gets released, Probably bad news for them because Rosenstein has been clear. He does not believe that declination decisions should be released. He's not a fan of releasing the whole report. He wants to stick to the regulation.
1: And that is exactly at the heart of what we just heard some of the Democrats say they're going to argue about. Uh, We will return to talk more about what is in the Mueller report and the future of the battle against ISIS.
2: Memories make us laugh and cry. And sometimes cringe when we look back at our fashion choices. But in between flashbacks of bowl cuts and dad jeans, our memories are fading, and so is the old media that holds them. Hi, I'm Adam Baselogger. And I'm Nick Mako, and we're the founders of Legacy Box. Legacy Box is the easiest and safest way to preserve your family memories. Here's how it works. Fill Legacy Box with your outdated media. We professionally digitize and send them back on DVDs, thumb drive, or the cloud. Look, those forgotten home movies...
1: Face the Nation. We return now to our panel. And there is so much to digest, yet so little known, Paula, <laughs> about what is actually in this report. Um, you know, a lot has been made, as you heard from some of the president's defenders, about the idea that there were no further indictments recommended. Does that mean the question of criminality has been Closed on here.
8: It's great news for anyone in the Trump Tower meeting, specifically Jared Kushner, or Donald Trump Jr., because while that clearly looked like part of a counter or an intelligence operation on the part of the Russians, it was unclear whether or not anyone in there had committed a crime by showing up. Certainly, Paul Manafort should have known better, but it was an open question about Donald Trump Jr. and Jared Kushner. So, great news for them that no more indictments. But as we know, the current Justice Department does not believe that a sitting president can be indicted. So now the question is, what, if anything, will this say about the president? Because if Mueller found any evidence of criminal wrongdoing on the part of the president, assumed he would pass that off to the attorney general, and then it's up to him. What do you do with that information? Do you pass it off to Congress for possible impeachment proceedings? You know as well as anyone, Barr has a pretty broad definition of executive power. Um, So he may be more willing to defer to the president on these questions of possible obstruction of justice. So that's the question we don't have an answer to right now and why I don't think you're seeing champagne corks popping at the White House, even though the president, of course, doesn't drink.
1: (laughs) Well, (laughs) but he does tweet. And we have seen nothing on the Twitter feed yet, Jonathan, about this, which uh, up till now, The president has said this is all a hoax, like there's nothing really to trust in this probe. But if there are no further indictments recommended, does he I mean, how does he handle this relationship with his essentially, you know, the lawyer for the country, the attorney general who? works for him and the American people.
9: Well, Bill Barr is going to do exactly what he thinks the law commands. I've known him for years, and he is someone who is not, you're not able to push in any direction. I mean, he's built like a linebacker, he litigates like a linebacker. Uh, He will do exactly what he thinks the law requires. Now the fact that there's no indictments coming out really does suggest that there was no collusion-related crime, uh, because even though you can't indict the president, you can certainly indict other people, and you can't collude alone. Mm -hmm. So he can do a lot of things alone. He can tweet alone, but he can't collude alone. So that may, in fact, be a vindication, but they only take you so far, right? I mean, this report, if it gets out, could have a lot of damaging information. You don't want to end up like, you know, Big Julie on guys and dolls saying 33 arrests and no convictions. That's not exactly a powerful argument for a president to make.
1: And you heard from Congressman Schiff, I mean, putting the politics aside, he's sort of drawing this line saying... You could have still seen conspiracy, but it didn't rise to the level of being able to indict. Well, I think that... Uh, it, it, so will I, the president ever be able to clear himself, essentially?
9: Well, I think, look, let's not fool ourselves. Most people are going to read the lead on this story. If it comes out that no collusion was found, for most people in this country, that vindicates the president of the United States. I mean, this is, a, this is as close as D.C. gets to an organized sport. But for the rest of the country, <laughs> they will look at that lead. And he has said there's no collusion. And if Mueller agrees with him, it will vindicate him in the eyes of a lot of citizens.
1: And. How do Democrats digest this, Ed?
10: I can't wait to see because, you know, it runs the gamut from those who have been under the impression that he will get off scot-free to some sense of there will be other things we need to investigate and justifiably so. What I found interesting this past week, there was a poll from CNN that found 68% of Democrats support impeachment. That's a high number, nearly 7 in 10. But it's down 12 points from December, when it was 80% of Democrats believe that way. Why has that happened? Was it because Nancy Pelosi has convinced them that he's not worth it? Is it because they, too, now are reading between the lines and reading all our coverage and realizing that maybe there isn't that much there and we should focus on other things? Or is it the realization that what worked for them in November, focusing on health care, focusing on the economy, education, and other issues, and not Donald Trump, got them into office, got them back to House majority, and might eventually help them win the White House? We'll see.
1: So you heard... From Speaker Pelosi, this decision she made that she says she will boycott this gang of eight, the the key members of Congress who are supposed to be or expect to be briefed by the attorney general on the findings. Uh, And that would include more information that's been made public. What is the point of boycotting the briefing?
11: I mean, Democrats have made very clear that transparency is going to be their entire strategy here. We know we don't know what the report says, but we know principal findings alone is not going to be enough. I do think it is interesting that the call for transparency is coming from across the political spectrum, although though their motivations are very, very different. I think Democrats still say there's two different standards here. There's reasonable doubt in a courtroom and there's a political standard by which Congress might want to continue to pursue. Republicans, I think to Jonathan's point, that they see this as a potential to clear the president, at least in political terms, in the eyes of the public. So as much as they can get out in those competing pr- prospects. For Nancy Pelosi, I don't think she wants to be in a position where she, it's known that she's gone into a meeting with Bill Barr and knows what has been in that and can't talk about it. So in some ways, I can see it's, it's self-preservation on yeah. her part to say, anything you're going to tell me, I want all of these members to know, too. And I do think more broadly, like pol- politics, yes, But this report, and at the core of it, is something that the public really does have a right to know. And as much transparency as possible, a lot of lawmakers I talk to say... They want the public to know it so they can feel confident in their elections.
10: To that point, uh, Hakeem Jeffries made the point, too. 420 to nothing, Mm -hmm. the House approved a measure calling on the Justice Department to release the full report. Nobody went home this past week, had a town hall, and got yelled at for voting yes on that. The public wants to see it. It could be cathartic for for people, frankly, because of that. The other thing to keep in mind, talked to Chris Coons of Delaware yesterday. He makes a, a solid point that the Justice Department has done what it has done, legally, Congress has the right and the expectation to do what it's going to do politically and constitutionally to oversee this government, Mm -hmm. whether people like that or not. The question will be in the tone and the focus of those investigations. Do they go after the raw material because they're convinced that there's something in there that merits more investigation? Or do they just step back and say, look, there's all these other issues, the Trump Hotel. He keeps drawing money from that. He could be violating the Emoluments Clause. All the things that are going on at the EPA, decisions made by the Pentagon and the State Department regarding foreign affairs. If they focus in on that kind of transparency and accountability, they may emerge from that Okay, because the American public will realize they're just looking at the rest of the government and doing their job.
8: Well, certainly no one wants to vote against transparency, but let me try to argue the other side, which is traditionally in this country, you can be investigated by law enforcement. And if you are not charged, they don't want that evidence out there hanging over you. And I know many people have argued, what about the public interest? Is there any investigation where there was ever such significant public interest? Well, yes, let's look at the investigation into Secretary Clinton's use of a private server. Comey there, he decided to err on the side of transparency. And how did that work out? Every word he uttered at that press conference was parsed and it was weaponized for political purposes, not just against her, but also against the FBI and the Justice Department. It was used to undermine the legitimacy of the entire organization. Every single word he used, every adjective, who advised him on that? Well, clearly, they weren't being serious. I think we really have to contemplate the merit of releasing evidence against people who have not been criminally charged. Is that Rosenstein's
10: reason, then, for holding back?
8: I think that is part of his philosophy. I don't know if it's justification. Remember, he's the one who wrote a memo supporting Comey's firing. Now, there's a lot going on there, but this is someone who's been pretty consistent in terms of not releasing these so-called declination decisions, not releasing the the reason behind not charging someone. Because in doing that, you air evidence against someone who has not been charged.
1: And privately, Republicans do repeat what you just said, which is this is a dangerous precedent to set to set, though publicly they challenge and champion transparency. but legally here, what are the next steps? And on this question of obstruction, you heard uh, Congressman Jordan say, no, 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 this was all about con- collusion. <laughs> Anything else in here is outside the special counsel's mandate.
9: No, obviously it was not outside the mandate. In fact, the mandate had, was expanded. Exactly. Uh, now, the problem for, for Donald Trump is if he is cleared of collusion and maybe even obstruction by the special counsel, who won't clear him necessarily as, as much as saying, I can't find a really actionable criminal case to bring, Um, that's basically breaking out of the orbit of Jupiter and you still have to go through the asteroid belt. I mean, there is now a hundred different investigations that are going to hit you. They're smaller, but there's more of them, and you have to be more nimble, and that means he's got to have greater self-restraint. But it doesn't help, and you saw with, with Congressman Jeffries, you get a glimpse of what's coming, right? Jeffries talked about, look, there's four options here. Either he's a Russian mole, a useful idiot, and I forget the other ones, A through D, and there was no E except all the above, right? E could be he didn't commit these crimes. But you you notice that's not on the list. And that's going to be what we're going to see coming out.
1: The knowingly part. Not that the Russian interference is in question, but that the president knowingly colluded, coordinated, conspired.
9: Yeah, he might not have committed a crime. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is... You know, I guess it's sort of the process of grieving from, you know, denial to acceptance. But it is possible that the president did not commit a crime.
8: That seems most likely. We have no evidence so far that I've seen that the president has committed a crime. And you know well very well, once you get into obstruction of justice, a lot of that will fall on the attorney general's interpretation of what that means. And he has a pretty deferential definition in terms of what executive powers entail, specifically when it comes to firing your FBI director. But
1: that's not necessarily absolving anything in the the Southern District.
8: Right, and the Southern District should concern the president. Yeah. That's a whole nother can of worms. He's being investigated not only his business, his inauguration fund, and these outstanding questions about campaign finance violations. You have Michael Cohen cooperating in that case, and it's easy to impeach Michael Cohen's credibility. But you also have AMI, the publisher of the National Enquirer, and its chairman and CEO, David Pecker. That is a case where the president has been directly implicated as individual one. It should concern the president. And I think that his, his toolbox that he's used quite effectively to attack the special counsel may not work as well in the Southern District.
1: So what does a bombshell look like, if that is the benchmark,
11: for impeachment? You know, for... If if you look at the standard that Nancy Pelosi has set, that anything to move towards impeachment would have to be overwhelming and bipartisan. And anything that could get overwhelming and bipartisan support, if you think about how polarized the Congress (laughs) and the country is, would have to be something that directly implicates the president. And that is such a high bar. And I do think, politically speaking, when you look at the Democrats, how much political weight they have put into the Mueller report over the past 22 months, every question asked about impeachment, about oversight of this administration, let's see what Mueller says. Let's see what Mueller says. What if Mueller says, to your point, that the president didn't commit any crimes? then I do think that takes a lot of the air out of the balloon of Democrats. And as they pursue these documents, as they pursue this oversight of this investigation, do they have the own political risk of, yes looking like they're on a way. But
9: that raises Southern District of New York, right? Because they've already said the campaign finance crime by Michael Cohen was committed with one other person. Who was that? He said, I was ordered to do this by Donald Trump. It looks a little odd for Southern District to say, yeah, he committed a crime, but this guy didn't. So what could be dangerous is if there comes out a a finding that he could be indicted on that issue, Mm -hmm. but it would have to wait. And the central limitations might extend beyond uh, 2020.
1: And that, takes us into a whole other conversation, um, but we have to leave it there. Thank you, all of you, for helping to make sense of this. I know it's complicated and confusing for a lot of people, uh, including all of us at times. Um, So we will await more detail from the actual report, but we will come back with a different story, a look at the future of ISIS. Territorial defeat, does it
12: mean they're no longer a threat? I used to think that all diet and weight loss plans were the same. Well, not anymore, because I found Noom. Noom is a new and totally different approach to losing weight and getting healthy that uses psychology and small goals to help change your habits. So it's easy to lose the weight and keep it off for good. Noom combines the power of technology with real human support, offering as little or as much help as you want along the way. And since Noom is an app, it's always with you and easy to use, which makes it super easy to stay on track and reach your goals. Plus, it's really simple to get started. Just go online, answer a few quick questions, and they'll create a personalized program just for you. Noom helped me lose my old way of thinking about food and dieting. So what do you have to lose? Visit noom.com slash podcast, N-O-O-M dot slash podcast, and start your 14-day trial today. Like they say, change your habits, change your mind, and change for good with Noom,
1: the last remnants of the ISIS caliphate that covered much of Iraq and Syria five years ago were reduced to nothing this week, marking a milestone in the years-long effort to put an end to the terror group. Retired Marine Corps General John Allen was once the special presidential envoy to the global coalition to defeat the group under President Obama. He is now president of the Brookings Institution. Good to have you here.
4: It's good to see you again, Mark.:
1: Do we call this victory?
4: I, I think it's a waypoint. Uh, in the process of eliminating this threat, uh, we saw that this organization would eventually become a three-headed monster, if you will. Uh, one, of it, one of those heads was the uh, core of the organization in Iraq and Syria. Uh, another is the provincial dimension of it today, which is seen in multiple locations around the world. And the third area is, is located on the Internet. So I think that there has been significant progress in, in eliminating one of the principal dimensions of this threat. And I have to tell you, in the last 48 hours, as I have seen the the final operations uh, unfolding in Syria, my thoughts go back to the thousands and thousands of people who suffered from this incredible, abhorrent uh, terror group, but also the thousands who sacrificed their lives to deliver us to this point. And I understand uh, even a news crew hit an IED coming out of the the celebration. And so the, the sacrifices of our media in covering it as well was very important, I think, to this whole process.
1: Um, uh, I think that's a, a great point for you to underscore. Um, I want to ask you, the president's language has kind of changed in the past few days. He has declared you know, victory um, and said he needs to be given credit for it, but also pointed that, OK, there is still going to be a threat online. Um, in fact, he said, well, on occasion, these cowards will resurface. They have lost all prestige and power. They're losers and will always be losers. Um, is, is the Internet the real battlefield?
4: No, there's plenty of uh, fighting still to go on, even in the area that we called the province of Core ISIL, where the caliphate was uh, at its strongest. So there the are,
1: threats not gone on the ground in Syria. And oh Iraq. no,
4: no, there's still thousands of these folks that are unaccounted for, and I, and I think that we'll, what we will see uh, in both Iraq and Syria, uh, in the months to come, will be extensive mop-up operations to try to eliminate those elements that have gone to ground. That, that we'll organize in sleeper cells and so on to continue the attack. They haven't given up one iota of their narrative or their obligations uh, or their objectives. Uh, and we're going to see that uh, we have to eliminate that, that uh, threat on the ground. And we'll see continued operations not just there, but if you do a, uh, a connection of the dots of where the provinces of Daesh have been attacking, Daesh being the Arabic acronym, they're clustered in Libya. Ansar al-Sharia is a, is a Daesh province. Boko Haram is a Daesh province, Ansar al-Maqdis in the Sinai is a Daesh province, Abu Sayyaf in the Philippines. If you see the cluster of these attacks, this is still quite a virulent and dangerous group, as well as being on the internet.
1: Well, On the ground, though, in that uh, so-called caliphate in Iraq and Syria, uh, General Votel, the top top U.S. commander in the Middle East, testified recently, and he said the fighters remain unrepentant, unbroken, radicalized. This is a generational problem, and they're melting away. 400 U.S. service people will be left in Syria. Is that an adequate number to take on that threat?
4: Well, first, Joe is, uh, General Votel is exactly correct. He's one of the greatest soldiers we've minted in the United States, number one. Number two, uh, the forces that were there. We were overseeing the final operations of the SDF, the Kurds and the Arabs that we'd been supporting.
9: The 2,000
1: that the President has been supporting. That's, co- us to bring that's on.
4: correct. And those forces, uh, their mission was not over for some period of time. Now, eventually we'd bring them home, and the President is right to want to bring them home. But they were overseeing the essential next phase of this, which is the stabilization of the population. And the paying for that stabilization was happening through our European partners, through the coalition, and our allies who've been with us all through this fight. And the, the critical point about what Joe is saying, what General Votel is saying here, is that if you don't stabilize the population and eliminate the basic human causal factors that makes an organization like Daesh attractive, then we, we face the potential for a reflash. Well,
1: that's something President Trump says he's not interested in doing.
4: Well, that's a problem. Then are we prepared to go back and fight again? I mean, so we've been in, in Iraq now twice mm-hmm. because once we came out too early and the second time we went back because of the, we, we didn't finish the job.
1: And Baghdadi is still at large, oh, the leader of ISIS. We'll get him. Your prediction is not long. Um, I I also want to ask you on another topic. Sure. Um, This week there were some memos that became public from the Marine Commandant, Mm -hmm. Robert Neller, and they were published, and he he describes the current deployments to the U.S. border, Mm -hmm. we're talking about here at home, um, as really hurting and posing a, quote, unacceptable risk to Marine Corps combat readiness and solvency. Before Secretary of Defense Mattis resigned, he said these deployments were actually kind of good practice. He said they were very good training. Which is it? Are, should we be concerned our military resources are being used in this way?
4: Well, it's, it's both, actually. Uh, the, the wise commander, um, and I would simply say that federal forces don't normally deploy inside the United States. So that's the first unusual dimension of this. But the wise commander who is is ordered to deploy those forces is going to try to make the most out of that deployment and try to get decent training return on on that measure. But, uh, you know, General Neller is a great Marine. He's been a great commandant, and he has assessed, and it is his moral responsibility Mm -hmm. to provide best military advice to the senior civilian leadership of the United States. He has assessed that both the deployments and the costs associated with those deployments will be paid for in Marine Corps readiness. Marine Corps is the nation's 911 force. It has to be ready to go at a drop of a hat. And if we're stuck on the border, mm-hmm. or if our resources are being drained away to be on the border or to provide for infrastructure development on the border, we pay that price in the readiness of the 911 force.
1: That is quite a warning. Thank you. We'll be right back. Yesterday, an explosive device detonated near the NBC News team reporting in Syria, killing a local employee working with them. It is a tragic reminder of the challenges that reporters face when reporting on conflicts abroad. As the fight against ISIS takes a new turn, CBS News correspondent Charlie Dagada and his team report for us on what it's been like covering the final push against ISIS in Syria.
2: Before creeping up to the cliffside overlooking ISIS, we were given strict instructions. They don't want any any lies facing the other side, otherwise okay. we will be exposed to snipers. Yeah. Yeah. No sooner had producer Omar Abdelkader said those words than we came under fire. Yeah, it's coming in. Those are bullets raining in overhead. We just heard fire coming over that ridge. Do we really want to go? Apparently, no we don't wasn't an option, so on we went. As we peered into the burning ISIS camp below, one prevailing thought was, how on earth did we get here? We've been covering the final fight against ISIS since early January. It should have been no surprise that the militant group's reign of terror over nearly 10 million people is never going to end easily or quickly. But nobody imagined our home would become a military base exactly. run by the U.S.-backed Syrian Democratic Forces like. for nearly three months. Pretty austere. One of the biggest challenges for producer Steve Berriman was trying to get any communications out.
13: The we Nights
2: were bitterly cold, at times just hovering around freezing. Our only source of heat was the fire we kept burning. But over time, we managed to make life a bit more bearable. This is a lot better than it was because when we first got here the floors are filthy so they've all been cleaned. and we brought some beds in here and some pretty horrible mattresses but they'll do for as long as we're going to be here. We didn't want to burden our SDF hosts so we brought in our own food. <laughs> all right. Which thanks to producer Aaron Lyle and yeah. Carl Taylor on security actually wasn't all that bad. Pasta with tuna.
11: Charlie, you ready?
2: With no running water, showers had to be improvised.
11: Who wants it next? It's pretty awesome.
2: As the fight against ISIS moved further south, so did we. We just entered Baghouz, the last foothold, if you want to call it that, of ISIS, where they've been fighting for weeks to try to push ISIS fighters, militants back. This is as close as we've ever got to. ISIS. actually it's as close as i've ever gotten this conflict <laughs> doesn't exactly fill me with confidence a day spent avoiding snipers on the front line with sdf soldiers stretched into night we had no choice but to sleep outside driving further back at that time of night was deemed even riskier than staying put Morning.
9: Doing I can. my face
2: cameraman my outfits, abdi kadani freshened up
0: that's it I just
2: sleep, Charlie. Awful. Yeah. Did you sleep at all?
0: No, I kept thinking someone was going to walk up and shoot us.
2: Really? Yeah. I wasn't worried about that. It's just the airstrikes. And the rat-a-tat-a-tat-a-tat-a-tat. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of airstrikes last night. Soon, we were on the move again. We did return to that cliff overlooking goose just as the fighting was coming to an end. It seems somehow fitting that a terror group that had unleashed such brutality upon so many innocent people should face a final humiliating defeat here in a scrap heap in a no-name town. And we had seen it all to the bitter end.
1: We're thankful to report that Charlie and his team have made it safely out of Syria and are headed home. And we send our deepest condolences to our colleagues at NBC News as they mourn the loss. Of one of their own. That's it for us today. Thank you for watching. Until next week, for Face the Nation, I'm Margaret Brennan. Today's guests were Democratic Congressman Adam Schiff of California and Hakeem Jeffries of New York. We were also joined by Republican Congressman Jim Jordan of Ohio and retired general John Allen. The executive producer of Face the Nation is Mary Hager. This broadcast was directed by Allison Hawley. Face the Nation originates from CBS News in Washington. For more Face the Nation, we're online at facethenation.com, and you can...
0: If you like Face the Nation with Margaret Brennan, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at wondery.com slash survey.
13: You know how to book flights and hotels. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
0: Are you ready for an all-new season of Survivor? You better be because Survivor 46 is here and it's 90 minutes of twists and turns you don't want to miss. Better yet, after each episode, there's a brand new episode of On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast.